0: Welcome to the Heart of Money podcast where we discuss the impact that money has on every area of your life and where you can learn to make smarter money decisions. Join our conversation as we discuss our past experiences, talk about how to make better money management choices, and in the end, make a commitment to being weird. Hey folks, welcome back to the Heart of Money, episode 28. I'm your host, Austin Black, joined by Bob Wessler here in a few minutes, and we're going to have a very fun conversation today around debt and investing and the question of which actually is a riskier approach to money because some people are afraid of investing and some people don't like the pressure and risk of debt, so which one is actually a riskier option? And what you'll find out is we probably really don't have a true answer to that question But there are many different factors and variables to consider whenever you try to decide which is the less risky option for me, which am I more comfortable partaking in. So this is a conversation that I have had with people off air several times, and just I don't really feel like I've talked about it enough, so we're going to have an in-depth look at this today, and it's going to be very enlightening, very um, educational, insightful and I would really love to hear what your thoughts and opinions are around this. So be sure and hop over to the Facebook page and let us know which you think, which avenue you think is, is more risky, incurring debt or investing in the market. Uh, be, be a great conversation to take place. And so folks, uh, here we go with our conversation on debt versus investing. Hi, Bob. How are you today? I'm good, Austin. How about you? I'm pretty doggone tired, to be quite honest. It's been one of those (laughs) days, but we're here. We're happy. We're healthy. One of us is handsome.
1: Oh, stop it.
0: Yeah, I thought you might appreciate that sentiment. (laughs) We both know you got the face for radio, so here we are doing That's a podcast right. together.
1: <laughs> so much cooler online.
0: Exactly. It's uh, it's May. Hard to believe that here we are into the fifth month of the year. What's even harder to believe is I think that means we have been doing this podcast now for what two, four, six months. Can you believe that? Six months. Wow. I didn't realize we had that
1: much It fun. feels like just yesterday.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So I still you, remember. Everyone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Thanks to everyone who, who has stuck with us. Uh, we're ha- we are having fun. Let's <laughs> say we are having fun.
1: And those that are listening, he's talking about me too. Sticking, you know, <laughs> right. us sticking through it. <laughs> Oh, it's gonna be a bumpy ride.
0: <laughs> Just for a few minutes, we'll get better. We're gonna make it through, though. We always do. <laughs> we always do. Well, man, I'm gonna jump right into this week because I think that we're gonna have a lot to talk about this week. Um, you know, last month we talked about the five habits of wealthy people. One of those, actually, I think it was the last one, <clears throat> was about investing and investing in assets. Mm-hmm. And you and I both are, are big advocates, big proponents of retirement investing, of saving for purchases, um, of using our money as a tool and as a, a resource to make more money or to you know make our lives better, however we see fit for that to happen. This week I want to I want to talk about a subject that I have not heard a lot of people talk about on purpose, um, but it's something that that everyone talks about. And that is uh, the question of debt or investing and which one of those is actually a riskier endeavor. And I think we can probably go Hmm. really deep on this. I don't know that we need to tonight, but I think it's an important conversation because... There is risk involved with each one of those opportunities. There is reward Mm -hmm. involved with each one of those opportunities. And I'm sure that probably you and I even have maybe a little bit different perspective around those, but I have had so many um, conversations with people over the past couple of years around using debt or using the investment principle both to acquire things, to just save, to build up equity from multiple different angles. So I think this week we just need to to take a a I <clears throat> said not in depth but detailed look at this topic, and and I hope that people listening um, that this will kind of churn their thinking, that this will will help them um, analyze certain parts of their money management. And I'm really curious. Uh, what people out there think is debt a more risky alternative, just alternative a more risky avenue, or is investing a more risky avenue? Um, so before I get into my uh, you know spill and dialogue and thoughts on the deal, um, I want to give you a couple minutes to kind of share your your thoughts around what people have said and just why this may be something that needs to be talked about.
1: I'm trying to refrain from using my Barry white voice because you didn't want to go deep, but um,
0: <laughs> I'm so glad that you did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Anyway, i I think this conversation can go back to so many other conversations we've had over the last six months of, you know, opportunity cost. You talk about um, opportunity in taking on debt the debt itself is not the opportunity but what you are financing for taking on debt may be your opportunity. Um, if you're just getting into the pure risk aspect of it, I, I think you kind of throw out the what you've purchased with that debt and you're looking specifically at what you owe, Um, versus what you're investing in. So that's kind of the avenue I'm going to go with it. Agree, disagree. You can talk differently on it, but that I think that just is going to kind of form my basis on how to determine if something is risky or not. It's not in the item that you purchased or you're refraining from purchasing in the idea of taking on debt. You've decided to purchase that item already. You've got the debt. Or you're investing that money and... I'm not going to say savings account, savings account. Yes. If you have something that you're going to purchase short term in the short term, maybe savings account. But if you're talking about the next 40 years, let's talk investments. Investments are risky. Um, I read something the other day that 95% of companies don't even make the return that cash does, um, over the long run. So that is a good reason for not investing in a single, um, stock, but the idea of diversifying your money and putting it in multiple asset classes, multiple, um, investments in mutual funds in the stock market that over time, there will be shocks, ups and downs. The market, you know, recently has had some days where it's up phenomenally and turns around two or three days later and is down, three times that. Um, And in saying that is you can't time the market. I I sold something last week and I I bought something yesterday thinking that, you know, okay, it's down low enough that, you know, it's a good time to purchase something. Uh, Guess what? It's down today. Um, (laughs) Three times over. So again, you can't time the market, but I'm not looking to put that money in and take it out in six months or Five years, I'm looking to set it there for 30 years and have it compound and grow um, with a concept that I talked about with a couple last week on um, just dollar cost averaging, putting money in, making purchases when uh, the stock is good, prices are high, and doing the same when prices are low. I'm not taking money out. I'm not selling anything. I'm just continuing to purchase, and the trend is up and to the right. Um, at least that's what the market has done in the past, but we don't have an FDIC sign. And when I sold mutual funds, it was past performance does not guarantee future uh, performance. So there is risk involved. The longer you have money in an investment, whatever it is, let's say you've got a S&P 500. You put S&P 500 today, it sits there for 30 years, and 30 years, there have been ups and downs, but overall, you've got a good up and to the right trajectory. On the other side, with debt, um, there are a couple of different ways to go about financing something. Um, I would say the most risky is going to be credit card or adjustable rate financing, mm-hmm. um, arms with balloons, adjustable rate mortgages with a balloon payment. Uh, saw something here a couple of weeks ago of, Hey, you better pay off your debt now, because with interest rates rising, those credit cards are going to go from 12, 14, 18% to 28, 32, 36%. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, it didn't even dawn on me. Oh yeah. It's variable rate. Of course, if you've got debt on a variable rate, they're going to charge you whatever uh, their rate sheet comes out with. Unless you are military on active duty, there's some different nuances there um, that you should know about. But for the most part, uh, if you are financing something and it is not at a fixed rate, you are likely to pay more over time. Uh, which goes back to my whole credit card theory of if you don't if you can't afford it don't buy it in the first place because you don't want to pay extra than you already are on the showroom floor whether it's a dishwasher a car or <laughs> you know groceries right. so <clears throat> those would be my two takes um, one way or the other your fixed rate debt is going to be. In the same vein as far as it's costing you money, you're losing out on being able to earn compound interest on what you're actually compounding what, you're, uh, what it's costing you versus gaining interest the other way um, by having that money to invest. So um, is that necessarily a risk? No, I think that's more of an opportunity cost. So that's that's my way of looking at it. Both need to be long term versus short term perspectives.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right, I think, in the opportunity cost. <clears throat> and whenever whenever I look at this equation, I kind of see it from from two different angles. Um, I shouldn't say two different angles, but two different. Um, circumstances, situations. You know, number one, I'm looking at the, um, like you said, you know, the long term, whether that is probably going to be more of a retirement picture. <clears throat> but I'm also looking at the uh, savings to buy picture. And I think that's obviously where more of the debt um, factor comes mm-hmm. in. So, you know, going with that first um, endeavor. You talk about the their long term, the retirement, the savings. Um, there are there are a lot of people, especially in the ad community, but I know this is also the case outside. You know, really, anyone that that I think deals with real estate or deals with you know business ventures um, could very easily argue that retirement, equity, and assets could be built up through land and through business acquisitions and through those, we know what we call tangible assets. And you Mm -hmm. obviously can buy those with cash, or you can use the debt and the financing on that. Um, But either one of those two routes allows you to build up that equity, that asset base, that at retirement, then if you've got the real estate, if if it's income producing real estate, you can draw in a, you know, uh, retirement income off of that. If you've got business, you can maybe draw off of the profits of the business, or you can sell that business um, and have have that exit. You know, be your retirement. There's several different ways that I think people can look at a long term um, asset use of that. If you go with more of the, of the investment option with the pure you know stock market cash basis, um, I think there's a lot more risk associated with that. Like you mentioned, you cannot time that market. It's not something that you can put your money into and be guaranteed that's going to increase in value like land or real estate typically is. That's not always the case with the housing market, but generally speaking, your real estate is going to continue to appreciate. Generally speaking, if the business is run the right way, it's going to grow in value. The market doesn't have that guarantee. Long-term speaking you're gonna have a, a um, high, you're gonna have a return long-term because of the market shifts and just the way that inflation runs, you know, the way that businesses operate, like you mentioned, um, you know, if you, if you diversify that portfolio long-term, you're gonna have a positive result. Now, to get that long-term result, you've gotta be committed to long-term, to, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, whatever it is, um, From a retirement investment standpoint. I know people like my my in-laws, they have zero interest, zero comfort with putting a single dollar in the stock market. Vast majority of their cash is sitting in the bank in a CD or a money market savings because they trust that. That is is a low risk, even though it's low reward, they're comfortable with that. Um, And I've commented to my wife before that in that instance, I believe that people are good at saving money, but not good at making money. Um, so it's a dynamic perspective. I think whenever you look at the retirement side, um, you've got to be committed to the long run, regardless when looking at the, at that, um, at the investment side. Um, and you've got to understand it. You know, if you don't understand the market, you're always going to consider that a riskier, Endeavor and investment and place to put your money. So, you know, we, we definitely don't want to don't want anyone to do something that they don't understand, um, because that that could have a backfire and you do lose money because you're putting your money in the wrong spot. So, that in my opinion is is the let, retirement side. Go for it. Well, and
1: let me interject there real quick. Um, one of the first rules of investing, I'm going to give two. One of the first rules is don't invest in something you don't understand. Um, if, if you can't explain it to somebody, you can't explain what the outcome should be or how it should work, don't invest in it. Uh, another aspect of it is from the short term, don't put your money anywhere that you don't expect to lose it. Um <clears throat> And I think that's more along the lines of not necessarily retirement, but just investing in general. If you have an immediate need or a short-term need, that money does not go into the market. That money needs to go into a savings account or you know, a CD, depending on what the term is on the CD. And, and you look at liquidity, a CD, certificate of deposit, does not have the liquidity that a savings account does.
0: And right now, they're not really garnering...
1: Well, <laughs> right now they're not garnering enough of a return to make them a locked-up investment. Whereas you're better yeah. off leaving them liquid. Um, there, there are a couple other things. If you really get into investing beyond uh, just the idea of, if you can't explain it, if it sounds too good to be true, you know, there's an old, age-old saying that goes for anything. If it sounds yes. too good to be true, it probably is. If there is no risk to what you're doing, it's probably not uh, a valid investment. Um, if somebody's telling you they can get you a 12 to 20% return with no risk, uh, run 180 degrees in the opposite direction as fast as you can, because chances are you're going to get fleeced on it. Um, maybe a 99.99999% chance, if not 100 Full out that you're going to get fleeced on that. So um, amazing how that's something that just applies anywhere in life. Sounding too good to be true. So
0: yeah, that's my I interjection. Have on all, that piece. I think we we have all experienced those moments. In fact, I experienced one not here too long ago, um, and I'm not going to go in detail on it. But <clears throat> it was a business opportunity, and what I heard was you have the oppor- you have the potential to make a lot of money um, if you will work hard. We're talking like, you know, six figures. You, you have, if, if you go work hard, you can make six figures. Sounds great, but how long do I got to work hard? And there was not an answer to that yeah. question. You know, there, there was not a defined how long do I got to work hard? Is it six months? Is it six years? To get that point, um, you know, so yes, yeah, it's be very discerning to any opportunity that sounds really, really, really good and doesn't have much, you know, risk involved in it. <clears throat>
1: mm-hmm. The
0: the other side of um of where I want to go, <clears throat> excuse me, my throat's gonna be problems tonight. The other side where I want to go, and you've alluded to this multiple times, is from that um purchasing standpoint, um mm-hmm. where you're gonna be you're gonna need the money for something sooner than let's say 10, 20 years, um, or you know you're going to buy it. Here soon, and do you buy it now or do you wait till you have more money for it? <clears throat> I'm gonna cut that part out. <clears throat>
1: <laughs> that COVID cough just won't go away. Was that a question for me or are you a hypothetical <laughs> that you're gonna answer?
0: <clears throat> hypothetical. <clears throat> okay. Um, <clears> oh, <throat> got it. We're gonna get there.
1: I didn't know how long so the pause was going to be. I was didn't know if you were waiting for me.
0: <laughs> so in that moment, you've got the the question of: Are we better off saving and using it in a short term investment to buy this item, or making the making the purchase now, using the financing, using the debt um, to get it now and have it? And I have had this conversation. I can think at least three times probably within the last year. Um, Center more so around land, but I think it can also apply to vehicle purchases. Um, My personal perspective is I am willing to put money aside and have it grow, like you mentioned, have have the money compound itself in earnings versus compounding on what I'm paying for it. I'm willing to have that money to build up to make my purchase sacrifice an opportunity now when I don't have the money to capitalize on it later whenever I do. And I have had at least three different conversations with people that kind of have the different perspective. Um, One of them made the comment that they they would make a farm payment any day versus letting that farm pass up and not having the money later on for it. I've had another person tell me, that they would would gladly go into debt on a farm with the intention of paying it off early versus wait until, you know, five, 10 years down the road and it not be available. Mm-hmm. So I know that there is, especially on the real estate land side, there is this big um, sentiment of will the ground be available when I do have the money? Will it be affordable? Am I actually better off making that farm payment or that house payment if it's for rental property or if it's investment property? Am I better off making that payment now, building my equity, having the asset, using inflation in my favor to make that property grow faster in value than my money could potentially? That's another discussion in of itself. Or... (laughs) Am I more committed to using my cash basis, saving, using an, a short-term investment vehicle to where I'm willing to pass it up right now to in 10 years be able to buy it, maybe even at a discounted rate if I've got the cash in hand um, and have that knowledge of I'm going to go I'm gonna buy it outright, no payment involved, and I'm, I'm going to wait till that happens. So there's two strong sides of the fence, I think, on this. Um, same kind of deal on, on vehicle stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. That's That's my perspective, and that's what I've heard other people mention. And I think those are valid arguments and valid points. And I think it honestly comes down to what are you more comfortable with? What are you more willing to wait upon? <clears throat> and which is a bigger risk to you? what you might lose now or what you might not have the opportunity to get later. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I I think again, we don't want to, there's a risk side and there's an opportunity cost side that I don't think we can interchange the terms because I guess you could look at it as the risk is that what i want to purchase is not there at a later date but I, I i'm going to point out to our listeners that we are in flyover country and you're talking about land and there is a different aspect to land than there is an aspect to rental property to commercial property to buildings um something i heard years ago you know you always want to buy land because they're not making any more of it Unless you get into the metaverse, and that's a whole other story (laughs) that could come crashing down on us or not. But anyway, it's virtual, meaning not real. Regardless of what the big boys on Wall Street are purchasing these days. um, I think there's a different characteristic to purchasing land than there is to purchasing, say, a rental property. Um, You live in a metropolitan area and you have rental property in multiple areas without, within that area or you can condense them all into one street you know we're playing monopoly here which is more beneficial to an invest an investor where they can purchase multiple properties in close proximity or they popcorn properties all over a metropolitan area in my opinion, it depends on what their long term goal is. Do they start small with something they can afford after? And, and I'm talking like rental units as far as residential rental units. Yeah. You know, they, they bought a fourplex um, in one area of town because it was at a good price and they had guaranteed income, but it wasn't necessarily long term where they saw their best investment. And 10 years down the road, they Purchased another one in another area of town with a better return, also with guaranteed income. Um, Was it beneficial to have them 10 miles apart? Maybe not, but was it a big issue? No. If they were 30 miles apart, would they still be an issue? Yeah, maybe not. When you look at land, um, I had this conversation, I think, actually last week as far as moving farm machinery from one plot of ground to another, when you're going down major interstates and not even major interstates, but what would have been old state highways that are maybe not even wide enough for the implement that you're driving. uh, In some cases, as big as some stuff gets uh, it's a whole lot benefit, a lot more beneficial when that, piece of ground is a mile up the road versus 20 miles in another direction. Um, So I can see where somebody would want to, they take advantage of that property that's right next door to them. Yeah, they're going to buy it. Um, You were using two absolutes there as far as I'm going to hold that money and I'm going to buy it down the road when I have the money available versus somebody that's just going to buy it outright financing it there's the other option that says I intend to buy that purchase or I intend to purchase that piece of ground. It's not available right now, but I'm going to start setting aside money. And when that comes available, not only am I going to have money available for it, but I won't have to finance as much if it is beyond what I've already allotted for the purchase. Um, something that my brother came across a few years ago when he was looking for a house. And I think we might be in the same situation now, um, where he was looking at houses and, you know, the asking price was the floor Mm -hmm. and you could get outbid if three people, four people showed up at a showing one day and they all bid on it, whoever flashed most cash, whether it was theirs or somebody else's was getting that house. Right. And even if you paid, you know, 10% over what the house was worth, if it came in at 12%, 2% less than somebody else was paying, which was 12% over the value, they walked away with that house. Is that smart? Not necessarily, but they had the funds to do it where somebody else might not have had that ability. Um, But that was the way the market was a few years ago. So I, I think there's that middle ground of your intent to purchase. You know what you're going to purchase or you know what you have your eye on when it makes sense to make a local or nearby purchase. If you're buying something that proximity doesn't matter, yeah, there's going to be something else. Um, and, and you know, my love, hate relationship with, uh, delayed gratification. <laughs> I just like um, that. Yeah. But it's just the idea of on one hand, there's always going to be another opportunity. Um, but it's how much you want the opportunity you have. Is it really an opportunity? And is it something that's going to pay off in the long run? Is individual preference at that point. So, um,
0: yeah,
1: yeah, there, there are many sides to look at. That's not just a black and white. There's a lot of gray.
0: And I think that's what makes this conversation one that no one talks about, but everyone talks about, because we all have our opinions around, um, Cash availability, or I should say availability, but um, cash usage from the standpoint of is it better spent making that payment or better spent making interest? Um, there, we all have opinion around that opportunity cost of do I buy the ground or the car or the business now or do I wait um, <clears throat> for three, four, five, ten years, whatever the case is, and risk it not being there? The thing that that's, is so fundamental, I think, and this is something that I that I shared back here a few months ago in a presentation I did, is whenever you're looking at buying now with financing or wait with cash, is never a one-answer decision. Um, mm-hmm. There's always multiple elements involved to it. You have the emotional element, you have the logical element and you have the economical element. The emotional element is what is it going to mean to you personally to have this item now or to wait five years from now? Is this a family um, farm that, that you want this is your only opportunity to get it? Or is it just a nice car that you would like to have if you had the money for it? Those, and those are two extremes, <clears throat> but I want to put the sharp contrast to the equation. So that's, that's the one emotional side is, and, and then the emotion even plays into your money. You know, how, how badly do you want to spend the money to acquire that versus again, having the money and not having the items. So that's the emotional side. The logical side then kind of plays into the mathematics of it. In can I afford the payment now? Or am I better off saving up to have a bigger down payment, reducing that, or being able to buy it outright? What is what is my cost to my return, um, both on the asset value, on the, the time to have enough money, on my investment, on my interest, all those different mathematical equations. And then the final one is that economical. And I think this is where sometimes people... Get into the what I call the justification syndrome, where maybe and we're gonna you know I, I keep using land because I think this is, is where a lot of my conversations have come from. Maybe the ground is is on the market for five thousand dollars an acre, but you know that it will not pencil out to pay for itself or be affordable within thirty years at five thousand an acre. Even if interest is one, half, two, three percent, whatever it is, you know it will not pencil out. But that's that's what people are going to pay for. Economically, you cannot afford then to buy that ground. In my opinion, at five thousand an acre, when it's really only affordable at thirty five hundred, we're seeing a lot of that around here. we big guys are buying up hundreds of acres at a time, spending crazy amounts of money for it. And the only way that they're doing that is because they are so scaled out. They are are leveraged so, Are they're not leveraged so much, but they're using their leverage to spread their risk, to spread their their debt load across hundreds, if not thousands of acres. And it makes it virtually impossible for someone of, of my financial status or my age in life even think about being able to buy that ground and pay it off before I die and not be just, you know, over my head in debt. So that's the economical side of it. And I think every single decision that you make has to include all three of those elements in there to make it your decision. Um, What you and I sit here and talk about is not going to answer everyone's purchasing decision, but the utterly important thing, in my opinion, is we understand those three elements of it that we're conscious of, um, how much risk am I in taking by taking on the debt and having to make that interest payment or having to make that payment period, how much risk am I incurring by putting my money into the market and potentially losing all of it? How much risk am I taking by that opportunity cost of not having the opportunity later on. And we said at the beginning, it's a multi-layered conversation. But in my opinion, that's kind of the heart and soul of it is analyzing the entire picture with those three elements and being aware that an investment isn't always the right option and debt isn't always the right option that each how they're placed, depending upon what your situation is within that emotional, logical, economical facet, is my opinion.
1: Yeah, and a big piece of that is you have to take all of that into account. And the one thing I I hear is it's not about the money. It's not about the numbers. Um, what you really have to watch out for is the behavioral standpoint, the emotional pull of, I want it. I've got to have it, you know, sleep on it at night. I, you look at, you're talking about specifically ground. Um, I'm going to go to something more tangible from, from my side with cars and know at one point, and, and even with my last purchase that, um, I'd look at something or I'd attempt to look at something and, you know, I came up with my last car after four other vehicles that had already been purchased out from under me. Um, there was a time 10, 15 years ago I was looking for a vehicle and if I wanted to go look at it, it was gone even before I got the chance that wow. plays into the, your emotional perspective, um, just to your mentality of the next thing that comes up, I'm going to take it because I'm tired of dealing with this. I, you It know, yeah. doesn't matter what the situation is. I'm tired of dealing with the situation and I'm taking it and I'm going to live with the outcome because you've invested so much time and so much energy and so much emotion in it. That can be a trap in and of itself. Um, so really it has to be – we talked about goals and plans and writing stuff out. And not veering from those ideals or, or what you plan and emotions get wrapped up in it and you can come out with something completely different than what you expected. So, yeah. you know, really taking to heart the multiple pieces and really diving through it isn't everybody's cup of tea, um, Some people can spend hours, days, months um, going through that and they enjoy it. Other people, you know, free spirits, that's not their way. They see something, they want it. They're going to go get it. There needs to be a medium in between them. Um, Even as an individual, a single person needs to have somebody to come alongside to talk through those, um, those purchases I think we talked about it last week with investments and you touched on it again with businesses and people retiring and selling their business. The first thing that hit my mind was, I hope you have a CPA involved that's telling you how to do that. That's uh, behind you on the tax consequences of selling a business or, you know, the different aspects of it because you sell it, there's a big chunk that goes to the government. So, And it's not just in paying the taxes, but it's in how does a sale affect physical, mental, financial aspects of your life? Um, And in some cases, are you going to sell it for a value that's going to make a return enough that you're not giving so much of it to the government that you can't survive off of it after the fact? Right. Um, So I'm kind of all over the place with this. My point is that you've got to have somebody that's knowledgeable, that has either been there before, um, that can come alongside, or somebody that has expertise in the area, um, that you're not going this alone or you're going through it blind, that it's an experience that you're better off, like we have said multiple times, uh, having somebody else um, don't do what we did. Um, So it's just another one of those that I know down the road hey, I want somebody else to have that experience so I don't have another situation where I say, hey, don't do what I did.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, and like we said at the beginning, this this was a topic that we could go deep with. We're not going to go deep just because of time's sake, but I think it's something that we've got to come back and we've got to revisit in the future because there are multiple, multiple facets to this. We've talked about a lot of them in the past, and I know that we're going to continue to discuss them in the future um, as, as we, we bring up just the different situations, the different factors, the different elements. Um, but I think what, what you said is right on, that um, you've got to be conscientious of the decision. Whichever way you are most comfortable with, whichever way you understand the most about. Um, In my opinion, whichever makes the most mathematical sense, I mean, I think that has to come into factor because you're managing money and money is a tool. Um, It's that that resource that you have to steward. So I think you have to make a sound mathematical decision around it. But we we never want to react with a decision, especially a a long-term decision, Um, so as we dig into this more layer on down the line, um, we can kind of uncover more of the heart, you know, more of the, uh, the meat of this. Cause we have, we we have probably had five different conversations we could have taken on this. Um, (laughs) but I think we know where we're going to leave it today is be smart, be conscientious, be aware, be discerning. Be understanding. Um, to me, that last one is probably the most important one. Understand where your money is going, what the long-term results are going to be, and is this the best purchase or investment at this time?
1: And I would chime in. Don't go it alone and make sure you've got a sounding board. Um so that it's not a one one sided decision, and a um, you've got some wise counsel involved in it.
0: Right on. Well done, man. Well, we're gonna have uh, have a good rest of the month here. Um, be some great conversations coming up, and I really do encourage people to to think about this conversation and give us some feedback on on how you want us to um, take a deeper look at this. Because like I've said two or three times, it's the conversation that no one talks about, but everyone talks about. And I think we need to talk about it openly and have those conversations more often. So folks, thanks for tuning in uh, to this week. Um, Great, great run. And Bob, I'll see you again next time.
1: All right, see you then.
0: So the question is, folks, uh, which one of these two options do you feel more comfortable with, more inclined to partake in, more educated around? Um, There is the opportunity cost. There is the emotional and logical factors that play into it. And I know that some people are much more interested, like I said before, in taking on that debt and having that, that asset and working on paying it off then one, risk losing money in the marketplace, or two, risk not having the opportunity to buy that asset later on in life. Whichever uh, side of the fence you fall on, I think it's a great conversation to have, and just helps us understand more about money, helps us understand how to manage money better, and just really gives opportunity to to talk, to share, to, to learn, and to educate. So that's the purpose of this conversation, and I think we had a fantastic um, discussion around that. And this is something we'll probably talk about more later on because we just scratched the surface on this. There's so many different angles and avenues you could take down this line, but a wonderful conversation nonetheless. So, folks, thank you so much for being a part of the show, for listening to us. Be sure and like us on social media. Be sure and leave a rating and review of the podcast. We appreciate you being here. We hope that you are learning and growing and having a great time along the way. And we'll catch you next week on The Heart of Money.